you would, open your Bibles up to, to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Go look at the first eight verses. We're going to dive right in. I am, uh, I have been, I work on sermons on Thursday, and ever since Thursday, I've, I've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth about whether to preach this or not. If you want the opportunity to have roast pastor for lunch today, I'm going to give it to you. If you need to talk bad about a pastor, I'm going to give you ammunition to do that with today. I'm going to give you what probably is too much information, but I think you need to hear it because I think we're the same and we need to take some of the masks off. So, you get ready and let's see where we go. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven after he had been, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. We're just going to take it apart verse by verse. Here we go. Starting out here, a little brief background. Luke was a historian. Most of you know that. He wrote the book of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. In the book of Luke, he talked about Jesus and all that Jesus did while he was here and who he was. Then Acts, he picks up where he left off in in Luke, and off he goes about the spread of Christianity across the Middle East, across Europe, all that area. He wrote it, he dedicated it to somebody by the name of Theophilus. Nobody knows who that is. Theophilus was a very common name back in those days, like Muslims named their kid Muhammad. Back in those days, people just named their kid Theophilus. They have no clue who this was written to. Luke says the first book told about Jesus now we're going to talk about what's next. He says, to these, his, his apostles, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for, the, for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard for, of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now Luke's building the case. When we read Scripture, we usually just blow right through it. But he's doing something here. He's building a case. What he's saying, if you look back in the book of Luke at chapter 9, it says Luke records Jesus, but he warned them. Jesus, uh, Jesus is talking, but he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, here's Jesus, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. So he said that, and we know it, we've heard it a million times, but he's talking to these guys, this is what's happening, and now Luke says, okay, now he proved that. He proved that he died and he came back to life again with convincing proofs, is what he says. Convincing proofs. He sat down and ate with them. One of the things, if you come tonight, to, that the world might know, or that the world may know, one of the things that they, they show is on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus sat down and had fish and bread and ate with his disciples. Dead people don't eat. They don't move much, really. You know, they're hard to even strike up a conversation with. And here they, he, here they are eating with Jesus, convincing proofs, Luke says. Then Luke says that he... he you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Back in Luke 3.16, Luke recalls John the Baptist saying, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, 
But the one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And here's the setup. If you keep reading through Acts, you'll see that the apostles and all the people around the apostles were baptized by the Holy Spirit. You keep, just keep on reading through Acts. You'll see it. Tongues of flame over their head, whole nine yards. He's saying, listen, Jesus said it. Here it's coming true. See what's going. He's building this case. But now here's the deal. As Southern Baptists, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit much. Because, see, we're, we're a little bit afraid of him. We have this idea that, that, if, that if we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we're going to turn into holy rollers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Then people that run around up and down the aisles and they dance and they carry on and they bark like dogs. Georgia fans, you know what I mean? Except they do that in church. We, we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. We think the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we think we're going to start speaking in tongues and we're going to do healing services and we're going to do all kinds of strange things that Southern Baptists don't do. And I think because we have that, that predisposition against the Holy Spirit that we miss something right here, something very, very important. So when they had come together, verse 6, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And this makes logical sense. Again, think about who he was speaking to. Think about just because Jesus was crucified on a cross and, 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 and buried in a tomb and raised a few days later did not change the political climate of that area at all. He was just another dead Jew. There were a few people that he meant something to. Everybody else went home. And it was just the same old stuff. And they're still under Roman oppression. And they didn't like to be under Roman oppression. They were occupied by the Roman army. They didn't like the Roman people at all. They didn't like any of that. But now they had a leader. Think about this. Now they had a leader that the Romans had killed. And he ain't dead no more. Now we've got a leader that can go into battle and they can't kill him. They can't do anything to him. They can kill him. He just keeps on going. Who would not fall? Listen, Mad Dog Mattis ain't got nothing on Jesus. You know, Jesus is going to come out and they can, they can spear him with spears and hit him. He can't die. So let's follow him. Lord, is it time? Is it time? Now you're going to come and you're going to take over all of this stuff and we're going to be the nation that we were meant to be? Is this it? That now's the right person's voted in? Off we go? And Jesus says, no, guys. That's really none of your business. God's going to take care of all that. Your job is just go tell what you've seen. Now here's where, here's where we get sidetracked. And you folks that have been in church for a long time, I think you can relate to this. See, we get to here and we preach this scripture every time. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How many sermons have you heard that 
on that. If you've been in church like I have since you were knee-high to a grasshopper, you have heard that preached over and over and over again. Did you notice what was missing? You see, because Baptists are allergic to the Holy Spirit. We're afraid something weird's going to happen. We're going to start slobbering and making funny noises. How many times? Listen, I've been a member here since 2004. This church has done a number of really good things over the years. But I've never been more proud of what we've done than what we did this Christmas. Guys, I don't know if you understand or not, or you've even seen the outcome of what we did. We partnered with the Department of Family and Children's Services, and God moved you guys. It was crazy. You know, we had the Christmas tree with the kids' request on it. Every kid's request that we were given to everything was met on their list. Everything. And we didn't have to beg. Did you notice that? In fact, we had to turn people away that were asking because there was nothing. We covered all the bases. We did everything. And then we had, the, we had the jingle jam here with the foster care people, and we invited all these brave, selfless foster families. And listen, that's the way I think. If you're a foster family, that's the way I think. Think about foster families, guys. You are inviting a complete stranger into your house without notice to stay. And not only is it a complete stranger, it's a rug rat. And you're inviting this little rug rat, could be this tall, could be this tall, into your house to spend the night, multiple nights. I'm telling you, there's, there's something, that's a special dispensation to me. And we had those folks down in our fellowship hall. We invited the families to come in. We invited all the kids to come in. Our hospitality committee did a tremendous job with the food. Don, Don Kester took pictures right out here in the in the vestibule, which turned out to be one of the best things that we could possibly do for them. We had an event after that that was filled with silliness and songs and Jesus, and it was spectacular. And guys, I don't know, I'm I'm not good at ginning up lots of excitement about stuff, but I wish for once that y'all would be really, really excited in here right this minute about the fact that we did something really, really good. Thank you very much. That was tepid, but it'll do. We did did something really, really good. And it's okay to pat ourselves on the backs just a little bit for that because God motivated us to do that. None of us did that of our own goodness. Maybe a few of us tried of our own goodness. But God moved even those of us who were doing it for any selfish reasons we might have. He moved us to do this. We did a lot of good work. This church did a lot of good work. We blessed people that you won't know about, that I've had folks tell me about that we can't share. It was neat. But now here's, I I hate to use the word problem, but here's, here's, here's where Randy ran into a challenge. When we had Jingle Jam, the first thing I noticed when we walked in downstairs, the first thing I noticed was that a bunch of those kids were very, very handicapped. This is where you get to talk bad about me, okay? Get ready. I noticed that a number of these kids, I don't mean a little handicapped, I mean some of these kids were handicapped, handicapped. Handicapped people scare me. Let me tell you why. 
I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to look. You know? And I'm afraid if, if they can't talk, what do I say to them other than, hey, how you doing? I don't have a problem. I can do that with anybody. But if they can talk, and maybe they're, maybe they're not... Maybe they're not as far along on the developmental scale as they ought to be at that age. And I get hung in this conversation with this kid that's just going crazy places. How, How do I get out of it without hurting their feelings? And how do I share Jesus to somebody like that? Can they understand? Am I going to cause mom and dad trouble if I talk to them about being a sinner? Do I? What? Do you understand? And I don't think I'm the only one that feels that way. But now let me give you some more information so you can talk bad about me. Over the last month, I've had to talk to some people who are very, very, very poor. I mean poor, poor. I mean dirt poor. I mean got nothing poor. And I've had to talk to some people who are very, very addicted. And I've had to talk to some people over the last month. I didn't seek them out. This is just God deciding that it was my time to get an education. I had to talk to some people who have spent time in prison. And, and, and I don't have a problem if they've gone through the addiction and they're cleaned up and they look like us. And I don't have a problem if they've been to prison and they've repented and cleaned up and look like us. But some of these people had not cleaned up yet. Those people scare me. I, I, I know there needs to be another word, but I'm sorry. They, what do you say to them? How do you relate to somebody that spent four or five years of their life in prison, not in jail? I don't mean in the, in the Jones County Jail. I mean these boys went to the big house. They went to the place where they, bad people go. y'all realize that in school, in my entire time in school, I only got one lick with a paddle ever? And that was because the whole class got a lick that day? I didn't get in trouble. I don't know what trouble is. And I get around folks like that and I get all self-conscious and what, what, what if they ask me to help them? And how much is too much? And how much is too little? And what if they get belligerent? And what, what, if, they, what if they're conning me? See, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I, I got this stupid thing going on inside of me that if you tell me you need something, I just believe you. I mean, it's a good thing that we've got a benevolence committee and we've got Ronnie down the street and we've got Perrin that works in the office because, I I mean, we wouldn't even have this church building anymore. I'd give them everything. People come up and they need something, yeah, let's give it to you because, you know, you obviously need it. You wouldn't be asking me. What if they ask for things I can't deliver? Do I just say be warm and be filled? Well, isn't there a scripture that says if I do that, then... I'm not being godly. I hope you feel my pain, you know. Here's my dilemma. I believe with, listen, 
read that. Let's put it like this. Y'all disagree with me, but I'm not wrong on this. The First Baptist Church of Gray is a county seat Baptist church. Across the street from the First Baptist Church of Gray is the county seat of Jones County. It's where people come for all of their legal everything. This is the hub of all governmental organizations for this county. They're the ones that drive all of the social things that go on in our county, and we're right here next door. I believe God placed this church here, that just like across the street, help us, Jesus, just like across the street, those people are there to organize and put organization to the county, that the First Baptist Church of Gray was put here to do the same thing for the churches. I believe as First Baptist Church goes, the rest of the churches in this county could go. I believe as First Baptist Church of Gray develops a heart for the community and gets on fire for the community that other churches will look at us and ask us what in the world's going on there and we can talk to them and help them and before you know it, the entire county is set on fire. We don't do that by building new stuff. We don't do that by starting new churches. We do that by choosing to follow Jesus in this place at this time and following him and he will draw that to us for us to fulfill the purpose that he put us for right here in this place. I believe it with all my heart. This is what he has called us to do. Now, while he has called us to minister, we're going to minister a lot to people that look just like us. To use a marketing term, that's our niche audience. We're not going to draw people pretty much that don't look like us or don't act. This is just not birds of a feather. Y'all know the drill. That's why you want all the churches involved. So that where people feel comfortable, where God leads them, that's where they can go to. But we're going to run into, if we are ministering to Jones County, we're going to run into a lot of people that don't look like us. And they don't smell like us. And they don't think like us. And you know, you can go to Oklahoma and you can go to West Virginia and you can minister to people like that, but then you get to pack your bags and come home and you're done with them. But if they live across the street, you can't pack anything. You're stuck with these people. They're there. What are you going to do? You go back to the Word, and you find out that we skipped something in our preaching. See, we want to preach to go, to go, to go, but you can't go until you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's where we miss. The Holy Spirit is the missing link between our fear and our courage, between another failed program and between our success. Jesus says in John 14, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. You know him, now listen, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit of God dwells with us and dwells in us 
already. When you trust Christ as your Savior, listen to me, when you trust Christ as your Savior, we've talked about this, there is an old part of you, your old spirit is dead. It is crucified on the cross, and Jesus, the the Holy Spirit of God, comes and resides in you. You've got the Holy Spirit already living inside of you if you're a follower of Christ and you hadn't barked like a dog yet. How about that? Something about that. There's something going on here. When we get the Holy Spirit, what do we get? He says, but you will receive power. Now, what is power? What does power look like? What is he talking about? I looked up, of course I did, I looked up the word in the, in the dictionaries and all this kind of stuff. There are seven, six, six. There are six sort of nuances, six different meanings to the word power. It's translated power, but there's six little meanings. I want to throw them at you. Number one, inherent power. It's power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature of which a person or thing exerts and put forth. In other words, I am a born-again child of God. I have God's power residing in me by virtue of my nature. Listen, listen to me, and do not say this, do not say this wrong to me. Do not say this wrong to me. You do not have two natures in you. If you are a born-again child of God, there is not an evil nature in you and a good nature that's at war. There's not. You have one nature. You have the nature the Holy Spirit of God resides in. You cannot reside with sin. Therefore, there can't be two natures. You got one. You still have the flesh that's at war against the Spirit. You'll still sin, but you are, at the core of your being, a saint of God already. And you have power by virtue of the fact that He's already in you. You already have power. Number two, power for performing miracles. Now listen. Now listen. I don't know about that. Because, see, we talk about laying on hands and raising... I don't know about that, but i tell you this much. i tell you what I believe about the Scripture. I've had people argue with me that that miracle thing was just a first century thing. That's not in the Scriptures anywhere. I believe that, that, that what God says is what God said and that there is every possibility in the world that the church can perform miracles in His name. And I don't want to lessen a miracle, but I guarantee you some of those kids that are sitting at home right now are wondering how in the world they got those Christmas presents. Because Jesus motivated his people to do something that created a miracle for that child. Now, I also believe there are other miracles that are true, honest to goodness. They're healed, and there you go. It's there. Moral power and excellence of soul. You have the power, listen to me, you have the power to live a good life. You have a power to live a moral life. You have the power to do the right thing. You do not have to be crooked, dishonest, or lie. You don't have to. You choose to, but you don't have to. The power is in us as we learn, as we grow, as he changes us, those things bleed away. Moral power and excellence of soul, the power and influence that belongs, listen to this, the power and influence that belongs to riches and wealth. Randy, you're preaching prosperity. No, I'm not. But this group of people banded together to build this building. How'd that happen? 
Any one of you pay for the whole thing? If you did, I got another building I'd like for you to build somewhere. Nobody's raising their hand? Okay. Us together. Power consists, power and resources arising from numbers when we band together. Power consisting in resting upon armies, forces, and hosts. Our God is the God, he's the Lord of hosts. He's got the power to take care of it all. But now here's the problem. He says, you will what? Give me the word. You will look at your Bible. It's what? You will receive power. I'm going to freak somebody out right now. Watch this. Zachary, would you come down here and help me for a minute? I don't want to drop this thing. Stand up on the platform, son. He didn't know I was going to do this. If he was wearing the pins, it'd be a problem. He'd be warming them up now. I need you to stand right here. Keep your hands in your pockets, okay, just like you are. Turn around and look at me. I'm going to give you this hymnal, okay? Keep your hands in your pocket. Give you this hymnal. I'm going to give you this hymnal. Dog, son, what's your problem? I'm going to give you this hymnal. It is yours to have and take back to your seat with your mama and your daddy. Are you ready? Here's your hymnal. He said, my hands are in my pockets. Yeah. You understand where we're going? Take your hands out of your pockets, son. He received it. You will receive power. See, when he's got his hands in his pockets, there's only one side of the equation working. God's standing there saying, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. All you've got to do is take your hands out of your pockets and it's yours. You're the man. Thank you very much. There you go. Give, give him a, He didn't know. <laughs> to receive something requires action on your part. We want to receive the power that God has already given to us. We must take it as our own and not let it go. So in order to do mission work, in order to go like Jesus has told us to go, we have to take hold of that power that God has already delivered to us by the Holy Spirit. We must hang on to it and hang on to it alone. Forget our strategies. We need to do all that stuff, but those won't make us successful. What makes us successful in living our lives every day is hanging on to that Holy Spirit that gives us our power, that gives us our life. And see, that's how I know, that's how I know that all of these things that scare me, that I'm still on the right track. Because as much as I'm concerned that I'm going to do and say the wrong thing, I want to follow Jesus more. You know? Don't you? 
As much as you're concerned that you might not say the right thing or you might go to school and say the wrong word and get in a little trouble somewhere or you might go to work and say something you're not supposed to say and you say it anyway and maybe something happens, as much as we worry about all that stuff, we want to do what God's called us to do more. I want to stand in His presence. I want Him to put His arm around me and say, well done. I want to see people's lives changed. I want to lean back and see people's lives changed and just go, yeah, that's cool. Look what First Baptist did. Look what God did through First Baptist. Look how they live now. That's what I want to see. So I know we're on the right track. Philippians 4.13 I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You go back and read that and you see that Paul has been through torment and he still says I can do it all. I can do it all because the Holy Spirit has been given to us already. You may not realize it, but you are ready to do everything that you are called to do. You are ready to suffer through everything that you've been called to suffer through. You are ready to endure everything that there's possibly there that you might have to endure. You are ready for the success laid in front of you. You are ready. It is yours. It is in you. He is with us. And he will never, ever leave us. Let's pray. Father, as a good Baptist, worries me to make this prayer. But Father, I ask you to reveal the power of the Holy Spirit to us. I ask you, Father, to reveal the power of the Holy Spirit to us, your people. Father, whether we will admit it out loud or not, we'll talk a real good game. When it comes to your things, we're frightened. We don't know what we don't know. We aren't sure we can handle it. We're afraid you're going to call us into places to do things that we aren't equipped for. Father, let us see your hand as you do your thing. Lord, we trust ourselves to go to work and make a living every day without a thought. And Lord, that's us trusting you. Because we we don't do this work without realizing there's talents and abilities that you designed into us. And if you hadn't designed those into us and you hadn't given us the jobs that we have, we couldn't make a living. And yet, Father, we bebop off to work every day trusting that we can do our jobs. And Father, it's trusting you. Help us to trust you like that in everything we do. To have you that close. To have you that real. To live with that confidence. That we can live with that cantankerous person. That we can deal with our cantankerous relatives that we can deal with our bosses and with the world and that we can speak Jesus' name and we will see power happen. Father, I pray, cause us to see Jesus. Help us to represent you, Father, with power. In Jesus' name, amen.